GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's podcast. And I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Helena Rosengren. Helena is a uh, GP, skin and skin cancer doctor, who's been doing this work for many, many years. She's also a senior lecturer at James Cook University and a, a GP trainer. Um, welcome today, Helena. Thank you so much, Paul. Excellent. Um, today's topic, we're going to be talking about lip filler and uh, obviously helping share some of your experience around patients and uh, the products and perhaps things we need to be mindful of as we go on that journey. And my first question is really is, you know, what are lip filler products made of and how do they actually work? Well, they're all made of synthetic hyaluronic acid. Um, there are many different brands, but they all work in the same way. So hyaluronic acid is a natural substance that we that forms in our body, so quite safe to use. It works through adding volume and smoothing fine lines on the lips. Wonderful. And what sort of patients do you typically have present your practice for lip filler and sort of what concerns are they, you know, are they looking to address? I have to say it's often the younger demographic that um, are after lip filler, um, but it definitely is a discussion that I would have with uh, middle-aged ladies as well, though they do tend to be very anxious about <laughs> having lip filler and getting the dreaded duck, duck lip look or um, it being so obvious other people know they've had filler. So this this demographic, the middle-aged lady from... 40 upwards, she doesn't want people to know that she's had anything done cosmetically. So it needs to look very natural. Um, sometimes I have also treated people with fillers who've got scars or depressions following surgery, maybe wedge excision for a skin cancer. Um, and it can actually be really, really effective. Um, and there was once... Um, that I did multiple treatments on a gentleman who was nearing 70, actually, who'd had, he had had radiotherapy done as a teenager for a benign, I think it was a hemangioma on the lower lip, and it had left him with a terrible depression on his lip, um, and, which he found very concerning. Um, and that was very effective too. So sometimes there's some quite interesting presentations come along even for lip filler. And, and are there any, um, oh, sorry, we'll talk about, you know, the sort of patients that you get, I suppose, like anything, um, you know, are there any patients you avoid treating with lip filler? I suppose the other way of putting it around is, you know, managing patients' expectations with relation to when they come into your practice. Yes, definitely. Um, there's two groups of people, I suppose, that I would be... Um, probably sometimes trying to dissuade from having lip fillers. I do find that I'm not a very good match for younger women who want lip fillers because they often want what I feel is quite an unnatural look. So I'll sit down with them and say, really, what do you want? Show me pictures. Show me your friends that you like. Show me what you want. And if it's something that I you just don't feel that I can do, uh, that it just doesn't, you know, it crosses the boundaries of my values, I suppose, 
I'll refer them elsewhere to someone who I think will be a better match for them. The other person can be your older lady with very thin lips. Often it's a waste of time putting lip filler in because you've actually got to have a little bit of tissue there to inject the filler into for it to work. So we can we can talk about that. Maybe a lip flip would be something that would help them. No, it's wonderful. And then as far as how do you plan out? So the patient presents and now you're going to plan out the treatment. So what's sort of involved in that, that consultation and planning process for you? Yes. So the first thing is actually finding out the expectations. Um, then I'll have a really good look at those lips and I'll watch them in motion as the patient's talking, smiling, laughing. Um, I'll look from the side and I'll look from in front. We'll also take photographs uh, so that I, I have those images because people will often forget what features look like down the track. <laughs> They'll often forget they actually had an asymmetry there because they don't notice it until they've had an injection done. So that's very handy to have. Then... Um, at the consent is really important. So talking to the patients about what can go wrong. Obviously, with my best intentions, we can still get some asymmetry. We can get bruising. An occasional patient does get a reaction to fillers that um, may necessitate that filler being completely dissolved down the track. Uh, and the most important complication of all is the possibility of vascular occlusion because of inadvertent injection into the labial artery. Uh, so it's really important the patient knows about it and knows when to expect it, knows what to look out for, knows to immediately come back to your clinic and to ring you uh, should that happen. Um, so they, they would be my main processes before actually going on to do a lip injection. And how do you find out what the patient's expectations are? I mean, do you have a library of photographs you show them or how do you sort of, you know, try and understand what their objectives are if they, as they come into your practice? I, I tend not to actually offer them photographs. We tend to maybe look on their phone or on the computer. Um, they'll often have friends who've had lip filler and have an idea of what they're after. Um, or we might look at celebrities. And if they're after really very big, plump lips that I feel I cannot give them, then I will not go there in the first place. I will just refer them right from the start. Because I, I, I and I, you know, this is based on experience. Early on, I tried to please everyone, but you just can't. And then you end up with an unhappy customer coming back, wanting more filler, and you try and give them a little bit more, and then they come back again. It's just not worth it. And then are there any sort of tips? I mean, I mean, I agree that, you know, obviously the natural look, so that you look, well, I suppose, refreshed versus obviously look augmented. I mean, so any tips for practice or practitioners around, you know, how do you achieve a natural, subtle look rather than obviously the, the duck lip look? Yeah, no, there's some really important tips, Paul. It's a really good question. The first thing is don't use too much filler. Like limit yourself to one mil max. Never use more than that, even if the patient's really, really pushing you. And then they're looking in the mirror and going, oh, no, I think I'll need a bit more. Um, they, you can review them in a week and then decide if you really want to use more. Often I'll only use half a mil or three quarters of a mil. It's all that is needed. 
Um, another mistake that people often make, particularly early on in their aesthetic career, is to inject the same amount of filler all along the lip. Now, that's going to end up giving you duck lips in five seconds flat. <laughs> because the lip actually is a very beautiful aesthetic structure that has tubercles um, and, and it um, narrows out laterally. And it's very important that we honor that structure. So you inject more over those natural tubercles. There's, there's two little ones on the top lip and there's the one larger one in the center on the bottom lip. So you need to just have that sense and to look at the contours and to respect them and to fill them as necessary. And, and is there a as, ratio between, you know, upper lip and bottom lip as far as the... Yes, outcome? good question. Indeed, there is. So for um, most Caucasian women, golden ratio has always been said to be 1.6 to 1 bottom lip to top lip. But I do notice that a lot of injectors are going closer to one-to-one, -to -one which I feel gives a more unnatural look. In some races, that can be okay, particularly Hispanic and, and darker races. They do tend to have a more equal size lip, but not so much the Caucasian uh, races. Uh, there, there is another thing as well, Paul, that can be really important before you start injecting is to just ask the lady to part her lips. And if you can't see the top teeth when they part their lips, that means the top lip is too long. And that is likely to give a duck lip look when you inject. Uh, there is something you can do uh, called a lip flip that'll shorten that lip and kind of invert the lip. Um, that can be worth doing if they still want fillers. And you just do that with a bit of neurotoxin at four points along the, the top lip. I wouldn't do it all together in one sitting. I'd definitely get the patient back the next week, have a look at it again, and then go on to fillers if necessary. And, and you mentioned before, um, you know, around, let's say, patient expectations. And, I mean, is, does filler work instantaneously? I mean, you mentioned about bringing people back after a week. Uh, mm. Is there sort of some mm. delayed onset, i.e. what we see right before us now is obviously going to appear differently once they go home? Mm. You do see the effect of filler straight away, unlike neurotoxins, which will take a week or two. Um, but what you're seeing is not true to how it's going to look when it's settled down in a few days. It will always look more swollen than it's going to look straight after injecting. Uh, and, of course, sometimes we do get these nasty delayed onset reactions where there's ongoing increasing swelling over time. Um, so then it'll look very different some weeks down the track. Excellent. And then, um, I mean, as far as adverse events that, you know, doctors need to be aware of before providing filler treatments, then obviously, and how do you manage complications? Yes. Well, the big major adverse event that you must warn your patient about is artery occlusion. Um, how do we prevent that? Well, knowing your anatomy a little bit obviously helps, but that artery can sit in different places. It's not always where we expect it to be, about um, 
a mil or two above the vermilion border, it can sit much lower down. So to protect it for the deeper injections, you definitely need to use a cannula that you introduce from the lateral side of the lip. And that it does involve training and knowing how to do that um, and then inject through that cannula. Now, if perchance you still inadvertently inject into a labial artery, you need to know what it'll look like and you need to warn the patient. So you get a bit of a dusky appearance in the skin, not quite bruising, and it might be like a whole dermatone, a whole half chin uh, that just goes a bit weird looking, bluish in colour. If that happens, that patient must come back if they've already left the premises. Or if you're uncertain, you should keep them on the premises. Generally, this will uh, become visible with definitely within 30 minutes and often much, much quicker than that. What do we do? We inject hyaluronidase. You should have that on your premises, in your fridge. You need to regularly check that it's in date and that you've got enough. And really, when, when you have a vascular occlusion like this, it's a bit of a medical emergency. It, you need lots of injection. You need to wash the whole area. And you may need to go some distance from where you've initially injected because that little pellet of filler that's inside your vessel may have traveled a few centimeters. So you may need to inject the actual medial cheek as well in helping to dissolve that occlusion. Very, very important. But with enough hyaluronidase in the right place, it should reverse quite quickly. You definitely don't need to inject into the vessel. It'll dissipate quite quickly into the tissues and absorb into the vessel. Beautiful. Scary I mean, presentation. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's, I'm assuming it's not something you get to see too often, hopefully. Actually, I've never seen it in person, but I, I have seen it on videos and photos. And um, uh, when I'm injecting the eye area, which is where it really can be excessively dangerous because you can lose vision as a result, I go all the way to advising the patient to actually head up to the hospital to ring me and I will join them there because ideally what you want there is an eye specialist to inject at the back of the eye, the hyaluronidase. So in order to prevent them from permanent eye, um, loss of vision, that becomes quite an emergency. Luckily, I've never seen that either as yet. <laughs> awesome. Oh, hopefully you don't get to do that as well. <laughs> No. And, I, and I think the, the final question is just really around, you know, if doctors want to start offering, you know, lip filler or injectables as such, um, you know, how do they get started or how do you get started? Yeah, it is it is a little bit tricky. Obviously, you feel it'll be cause quite a lot of concern to begin with. Some people say to practice on family and friends. It depends. <laughs> it depends how much you like them. Um, no, not really. A younger person will be much happier to have a lip filler practice done on them. But I would say the most important thing clearly is training. Training, watch others, maybe use mannequins, practice, know your anatomy, um, learn how to inject through cannulas and make sure that when you do start that you have the hyaluronidase on board. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you very much, Helena. I mean, is there any other hints and tips for 
a doctor starting out in this journey? I can't think of anything else to add there. I'm sure there are plenty of other things that I could mention. But I mean, we've already said it, but taking photos as well. Take lots of photos because they, they can save you bacon actually sometimes. And because the patient can see what was there to begin with, which they may not have realized. Yeah, mm. no, I totally agree. As I said, it's one of those things you don't quite remember what you look like before, but obviously if you've got the before and the after, you can then show the patient that obviously the treatment has been um, effective, you know, depending on obviously what their seed mm. outcomes are. So look, so Helena, thank you very much for your time today and sharing your experience around lip filler. Very much appreciated. If a doctor does want to do some practical hands-on training in, in the lip filler, we do offer it um, as one of the practical skills workshops um, that we run around the country. Uh, and also when you're typically um, working with a company that's supplying the product, they'll also do some uh, additional training for you. And probably the only other hidden tip from, from our experience of, of having aesthetics uh, and getting doctors into that space is, you know, find some family and friends that uh, are looking for some uh, free treatments and get to practice on them first before you probably start going out to uh, the wider patient audience that might be interested in such services. So um, so once again, thanks very much for your time, Helena, and thank you for those that listened to the podcast today. And we look forward to having another podcast with you very soon. My pleasure. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.